Okay, welcome to this episode of Return. Today we're going to talk about why Israel, uh, why it's important, what current events related to Israel, and what the church's response should be. talk about something important today, uh, something that's really relevant to what's happening in society and often, you know, making the top headlines in the news, and that is the subject of Israel. Israel as a people, Israel as a nation, and ultimately what our response as the church should be when um, talking and, and dealing with this subject And I just want to start off by saying uh, something that's been really uh, heavy on my mind related to this topic has been that the secular narrative right now about Israel is so strong, especially in universities, um, especially among, yeah, you know, younger college aged people. And I just think that if this is a subject that the church avoids to talk about, then Many, many people are going to, um, they won't be able to help but take on the secular narrative because it's so strong right now. Yeah, and and just the fact to start saying there's a narrative in the world. Yeah. Because I just heard, we heard a very famous leader in the body of Christ saying, no one cares about Israel. No one wants to hear about the end times in Israel. This is irrelevant. They want to hear more about their hearts, getting free, power, revival. And that just is like, I'm horrified by that statement because it's not that there's a strong narrative only, but there's a narrative. Yeah. Like the, the, the world is speaking about Israel as one of the main subjects right now. Yeah. And young people are taking up, you know, signs, boycotting, uh, doing protests related to Israel. And so, again, I'm like, if if the church doesn't begin to talk about this, about the subject, why it's important, why we should even be talking about it, why, what the Bible has to say, God's heart for Israel, all of that, if we don't begin to talk about it, um, we're going to adopt the secular narrative yeah, on it. Yeah, our children will. If we don't teach Elodie, even when she's two, three, four, five years old, even, I mean, even if we digest the information we give, but if we don't start telling her mm-hmm. the story of God towards Israel, the patriarchs, the his plan, then we're going to cripple her Christianity in the end times because it's all going down to are we going to stand for Israel? Is the fullness of the Gentiles, meaning the revival in the church globally, is it for the purpose of growing our own ministries or is it for the purpose of saving Israel and bring them to jealousy? Which that's what the Bible says. Yeah. So just not just being silent about this subject is detrimental in crippling yeah. of, of the next generation. Yeah. And I would say that there actually is a big interest among young 20-somethings about this subject. It, yeah, there is. So that leads us to, obviously, uh, our topic and what we want to talk about today, which is why Israel? Why is it important? Why should we be talking about it? And what should our approach or response to the subject be? 
So you want to open up with some thoughts? Yeah, I was going to, I want to say that we might, you guys who are listening, whoever is listening, you might hear that our tone changes a little bit from now on, specifically with this subject, because we've been praying, talking, me and Gabe, about trying to bring what the Bible is saying with the prophetic words, all the New Testament to relevant now kind of subject that are touching society yeah and we have energy behind this subject because god has energy beyond what we understand about the subject of israel it's not that we get to exaggerate things is that we still have a long way to catch up with the tone of god mm-hmm. in the bible and i'm talking about all the new testament this is just one gospel so we might have to take a few sessions yeah to just explain this this thing about Israel. But I just want to start saying God cares about Israel. God has zeal for Zion, which means Jerusalem and Israel. God has a covenantial relationship with the land. Is not the spiritual Israel, whatever that is, which we're going to explain. Is first of all, God has a plan for the land. Yeah. Is his land, is his I mean the whole earth is his. Um but he will come back to reign in Jerusalem, in Israel. That's his land. And no matter what political agenda is happening, no matter the mistakes of Israel right now, no matter the whatever we think or our opinions and laws and political realm, God already said, that's my piece of land. And we just need to accept that. We, we just have to start with the sovereignty of God. God has the right to proclaim that a piece of land is his. And that it belongs to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. We don't get to vote. Yeah. Even though we think in the world right now that we get to vote, we don't. Yeah. So if we don't start with that premise, we're going to have problems as we read through the chapters and verses. Because we're going to say, nah, nah, I don't agree with that. God really meant this. But if we put God in his position as the king... Uh, then we we can digest this subject. If yeah. not, it's not it's gonna offend our minds and expose our hearts. Which part of the perspective that we're coming from is, you know, there are people out there who can give you a purely secular narrative on arguments for uh, f- sorry for or against Israel being in the land. A lot of people don't like to address political subjects. Um, from a biblical perspective, because not everyone obviously adheres to the Bible as their, the greatest authority in their life. But specifically for Benji and I, we're strong believers, we're missionaries, we're intercessors. We do want to approach this subject from a biblical point of view, purely because part of our assignment is we are talking to other believers. We're talking to you, you know, Christians, the church, and we want to see the church get on board um, with what God is saying in the Bible related to this subject. And so that's why we are looking at the Bible as the highest authority and going back all the way to the book of Genesis, we see that God makes a covenant with Abraham, not only, like you were saying, not only uh, for a people group, he does, but he makes a covenant with Abraham specifically for a land. That is why he calls Abraham out of the land where he was living, out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and brings him to then Canaan and now the, the land of Israel and promises that him that he would 
give him that land for him and his descendants forever. Yeah. And because God is faithful. Where, where is that? Genesis 15, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because God is faithful and he is a good friend forever. Even though Abraham died thousands of years ago, he's alive in the presence of God and he's still friends of Abraham. Yeah. And just many people say, why Israel? They rejected Jesus. They killed Jesus. All of these things, ups and downs. Is it no matter what we've done, humanity has done or, or the Jewish people has done or whatever our opinion is, God said something and he's going to fulfill it to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Just, just by that simple fact. But there's more profound things than that. But God made a promise to Abraham and he's going to fulfill it. And we, 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 we need to accept that fact. But you want to continue with Genesis 15? I have something to say related to. So why Israel? This is the, the point of this podcast. We're gonna, there's like a hundred things. Why Israel? We're just trying to approach a couple of them as we feel in our hearts. So you just pointed out he's a God of covenants and he never breaks it. So us knowing that, that he's not done with Israel should give us relief. Because he's not done with you and me, too. Even though we've failed many times, we know that because he's still going to fulfill the covenant with Abraham, even through the mistakes and fail, failures, he is able to keep his covenant with us. Yeah. We know that a trillion years from now, he's not going to wake up one day in eternity and say, you know, guys, I, I, I changed my mind. You know, I'm... And then he's going to kick us out from, from heaven. You know, it's, he's always faithful. So that should give us comfort instead of like, why God? Why not the blah, 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 Palestinians? And all we get very political sometimes with the secular narrative against God related to Israel very easily. Instead of being thankful that he's faithful to his promises, no matter what we do. And he's a fair, merciful God that loves justice. Yeah. And then also another thing that why God, uh, why Israel uh, is because he needed, a, he needed a vessel. He needed a tool. And the thing is that we miss the point. The, main pro- the first profession that God gave to Adam and Eve and humanity was priesthood. We were supposed to be priests. To, uh, we talk about that in one of the podcasts. And we fail. We fail by saying yes to Satan in the garden. Therefore, now God has to come with a plan through humanity to redeem humanity, which we know that he was prophesying about Jesus, the high priest. The promise of the seed through the woman. We see even that the seed is capitalized, that there would be a person, a human coming from the lineage of Eve that would crush the head of the serpent. That's what you're referring to. Yes. So he he needs a people. So he chooses Abraham, which becomes, he's an Arab, from Iraq. <laughs> and so, so even the first Jew was not a Jew. He was from Iraq, you know? So he comes, I know, I, I, uh, he calls him out of that. And then because of faith, he becomes the holy people, the father of faith. And then through him, he needs a people because he's thinking about Jesus. God is thinking, I need a vessel that becomes the father of a nation that becomes the father of Jesus. So he's thinking Jesus. He's not saying, oh, you're amazing, Abraham. I'm going to make... No, he's like, I'm, I'm choosing whoever is, is, is believing in me. And I'm choosing a weak vessel like any other nation. He makes it really clear. Israel, you're not special. You're actually one of the most stubborn nations. 
and one of the weakest. But I'm choosing you because of Abraham, because I need the seed. So, and this is the crazy thing about the, the Old Testament. He, uh, Adam and Eve, they fail, then Israel fails too. So now you need a redeemer for humanity, the Gentiles, and for Israel, the vessel. And therefore, Jesus comes representing humanity as Jesus, as a man, to redeem the Gentiles, but born out of Israel, representing Israel. So you have Jesus representing both Gentiles and Jews, both fail, representing in a man, now saying, I'm going to pay for both, and I'm going to redeem both, Gentiles and Jews. So, but, but Israel is important because we needed the seed to be born. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to look again really quickly at the covenant made with Abraham in Genesis 15. There's a few other, I mean, Genesis 13, I believe we start seeing the promises of God to Abraham. 17, um, it gets confirmed again. But in Genesis 15, what we see is God meets with Abraham you know, they're about to set up this covenant, which we know a covenant is always made with the spilling of blood. And so we see God tells Abraham, okay, I want you to go get these animals and I want you to cut these animals in half. And, you know, the blood is going to be part of the spilled blood is going to be part of the covenant between you and me, which means that this is unbreakable. And the interesting thing is when they go to make the covenant, you know, you always have two parties represented in an, in an agreement and in a deal. What happens is God actually puts Abraham to sleep. He puts Abraham into a deep sleep. And it says that God walks through the midst of those animals on behalf of both parties. So God makes the covenant from his side and from Abraham's side, which the important part that I'm getting at with that is later on, we see that God makes another covenant, um, with Israel, but at Mount Sinai. And there's the list of, of laws and regulations. You know, if you do this, then I, God will do my part. If you obey my commands, I will give you rain. If you, you know, do this with your neighbor, then I will bless you. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Your land will be blessed. All of that stuff. There's, there's blessings and cursings based on whether or not Israel would obey God or disobey God. And so that was a, um, a covenant made between the two parties, but it was conditional. Israel had to do her part. God had to do his part. But what we see with the covenant made with Abraham is it's unconditional. Mm -hmm. God says, okay, Abraham, I'm making it so that you, even though... You, like I'm making this covenant with you. I'm making it so that it cannot fail no matter what. I'm going to make this covenant for the both of us. Yeah. And so in the time when the covenant is made, Abraham's asleep and God enacts this everlasting covenant with Abraham that his descendants would be a blessing to the whole earth, that redemption, that the seed would come through Abraham's lineage and redemption would come to the whole earth. So that's kind of even just a, a basic premise of why Israel is even still relevant today. What you were saying, we know the faithfulness of God even towards us as Gentile believers because we see his faithfulness to the covenant he made with Abraham and um, the covenant he's made with Israel. And 
just to add in another verse, there's so many verses that we could elaborate on this theme, and I'm sure... I mean, the whole Bible is about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll bring in plenty more, too. But I love looking at um, Jeremiah 31, verses 35. It's actually the context is God talking about to Israel that he would eventually you know, give them the new covenant where he would write the law on their hearts and on their minds and all, all of that. The, it's the new covenant that we as believers got brought into when Jesus, you know, died and was raised. But I love this, that at verse 35, it says, it is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day and the moon and the stars to light the night, who stirs the sea into roaring waves. And then verse 36 uh, this is God saying, I am as likely to reject my people Israel as I am to abolish the laws of nature. Verse 37, this is what the Lord says, just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not even consider casting them, Israel, away for the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the New Living Translation. Um, New King James essentially is saying to if the sun and the moon pass away, then my covenant with Israel will pass away. But because I've set the sun and the moon as an everlasting light in, in the heavens, likewise, I am never going to abolish the covenant I made with Israel. Yeah. So we know for certain that the church hasn't replaced Israel, that God's plan of redemption of even bringing um, Jesus through the, the lineage of Abraham, that that obviously that is still just as much alive today as a promise to us as it was when he made it back then. And God is not finished with his people. He's not. And Paul made that very clearly in his thesis in the book of Romans. He, to the Gentile church, he say, is is. God done with Israel? No. And he's talking to Gentiles that were rejecting historically uh, in Rome. They were re rejecting the Jews, even though they were just a few years in Christianity. They, they, they have an inheritance of pagan religion. Now they are like a few years into Christianity. And now they are entitled to say, they think they are, to say, we don't need the Jews. They killed Jesus anyways. We can do this alone. And Paul is like, no, there's a one new man. That you guys, hey, God is not done with Israel. The point is that he wants to bring both together. But now he's using you guys, the Gentiles, to bring them to jealousy. Because if God is done with Israel, then he's done with you. That's the point. If he's rejecting the main olive tree, he's going to be rejecting you because you're grafted in. You're not independent. And that's the point. We need to start a conversation by saying, church, we need to wake up. The secular narrative is just going to get stronger and stronger. And it's fueled by satanic, demonic principalities that hate Israel. Why? And I want to say, I mean, there's probably five main reasons why Satan hates Israel. And why he's putting in every school an anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic narrative. I will say one of the main ones. Satan is afraid of Jesus. He already lost the battle in the, at the cross. But before Jesus went to the cross, he made a clause. He said, I'm not going to come back, Satan. 
you're still out in the in the garden. You still have government governmental authorities, according to First John five, in the nations. You're the prince of the earth. I destroy you in the realm of sin and in the in the realm of eternity. I I already won the battle here, but I haven't crushed your head. I'm gonna do it in in two thousand years from now, Satan. But I'm not gonna come back, Jerusalem, for you to be your king and to fulfill the promises of my kingdom and destroy Satan forever, to crush his head until the political leader, leaders and the religious leaders of Israel said, said, say out of their own mouths, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's until Israel, and specifically Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, receives me as her king, I'm not going to come back, which... For 2,000 years, that thought has been spiritualized because Israel didn't exist. And Jerusalem was part of was part of Palestinian. Now Israel is in the map. Now Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Now we have this global anti-Semitism and Satan is nervous about this. That's why he's putting all the emphasis to boycott Israel, to be anti-Israel in the churches too. Now you replace Israel and all of these Falls and errors in the church, uh, it's bringing up this subject with the wrong narrative that God is has replaced Israel, that we don't have to care about Israel. We just need to go to Holy Land to blow chauffeurs and be happy for a couple of days and go back with holy oil. And, you know, it's weird. And the, the, the church has the responsibility to stand for Israel with the prophetic counsel of the Lord from the scriptures. And that's what we want to talk about yeah. in future podcasts. Yeah. And the verses that you're referencing is Matthew 23, 39. Yes. Jesus is specifically saying to Israel of his day, I'm here in the midst of you and how I long to gather, have gathered you under my wings, but you've rejected me, and therefore I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to return the second time until Israel is ready to receive me as her Messiah and her king. And the enemy knows that clause, which is why we've seen things th- for thousands of years, but obviously the most recent in our memories has was the Holocaust, you know, a trying to completely exterminate the it's Jews crazy. from the earth. It's the plan of Satan. It's why there's such intensity um, against Jewish people. Uh, where, where's the reference where it says that there's even an eternal hatred? Uh, Ezekiel 35, verse Ezekiel 5. 35. Yeah. There's this eternal hatred from the nations, specifically the nations that surround Israel, um, concerning the Jews. And we know that it's it's just the plan of the enemy to try to wipe Israel from the map, to try to make it so that there is no Jewish remnant left to receive Jesus as their Messiah. And so that's really, that's one of the roots of anti-Semitism, along with, you know, other things that we could talk about, you know, yeah. a people being elected and all of that. But that is also why it is so important as believers that we stand with Israel, especially as times get more um, tense and and tumultuous in the political realm, we are already hearing again anti-Semitic and anti-Semitic remarks coming from 
representatives of the U.S. Congress. Yeah. You know, we see um, we see um, anti-Israel policies, specifically in the previous administration here in the U.S., that were just so anti-Israel. Um, Israel recently had their elections, and Benjamin Netanyahu got reelected. But how how much? Um, yeah, just hatred against Israel, trying to yeah. even get involved in their elections um, because we're seeing just that rise of an- yeah. anti-Semitism here in the West. And, we, and we're supposed to be the most pro-Israel nation right now. You know, in Europe, it's been just about 70 years from the Holocaust. And there's this saying, never again. Right now, there's more anti-Semitism than in Second World War. Right now, as part of the culture. It's not a tyrant Hitler that is insane and intimidating people with just an elite people that have all the power and weapons. It's part of the culture. It's systematically being taught in the schools, high schools, and universities. It's greater than Second World War. It was, it's not just the Nazi Germany. It is the culture among Europe in general, that is rising, and they're saying stuff like Hitler was right, uh, you know, having all of this anti-Semitic rhetoric, and it's been less than a hundred years, and it's it feels like it never happened. It's just like, you know, it's this blindness, and it's, and it's in the book. It shouldn't surprise us. It's in the book. God has a plan for Israel. God has a plan for the nation, but part of the plan is to a lot of all of this to happen again. That's why we need to talk about it. We cannot be silent. We're doing our own effort here in our living room studio to just bring up this conversation. Whoever you are, you have to, and and sorry, I'm, I'm using this have to, but when I see that in the Bible, you, if you believe in Jesus, you have to stand for Israel. And that doesn't mean that you agree politically with what they are doing. No, there's, there's a discipline that God has appointed for Israel because they're not perfect. It's not that we stand for everything that they say politically. There's a lot of injustices, absolutely. But we have to stand for the man that we love, Jesus, because he's a Jew. We have to stand for the Bible. We have to stand for them in, in the complete sense of the, of, the, uh, you know, of, of the word of we're standing for you because of what God said about you. And so we can't ignore this subject anymore. Mm-hmm. We have to start praying through it, talking about it again, a little bit spicy with the subject, but at least we, we have to bring it at the table because the universities, the secular universities are indoctrinating our children with it and they have an agenda. Yeah. They have an agenda. I, I refuse to believe that the president of the United States has a bigger voice and interest for Israel than the church. Yeah. That cannot be... I mean, I love that, that the Lord is using Donald Trump to speak about these things, but I cannot accept that he's more bold about what God stands for than myself as a strong believer and charismatic believer. And yeah. You know, I, I cannot be... He's provoking me to jealousy <laughs> in that regards. Yeah, and... I think we're we're going to wrap this podcast up soon, but I will just say in closing that I think part of what we need to be asking for as believers, as just lovers of Jesus, is we need to get his heart also for his people. 
He calls Israel the apple of his eye. He says in Zechariah 1 that he's zealous for Zion. Zechariah 2 as well. He's, he's going to build a wall of fire around her and dwell there. And part of it is, are we even asking God for his heart related to Israel, related to his people? I think that's step one. And um, we here in Kansas City, we have a weekly prayer meeting where we pray for Israel. Uh, we pray for salvation of the Jewish people. We pray for um, the believers in the land of Israel, that yeah. they'd be strengthened, etc. But sometimes also the things that we ask the Lord for is that he would even just increase uh, the capacity of our heart to feel what he feels for Israel, to actually have understanding um, in the scripture, understanding related to current events uh, about Israel, about how to stand with them. Because I want to reemphasize what Benji said. Standing with Israel does not mean agreeing with all of their politics right now. Not at all. Standing with Israel means that we are aligning ourselves with God's purpose, God's storyline related to Israel, and and taking a stand for that, declaring their promises just like prophets in the Old Testament would declare the future promises, but also the future judgments of God for disobedience. Yeah. And um, so we we ultimately, we want to feel God's heart. We want to yeah. gain understanding related to why this is even an important subject. And so you're going to hear us talk about this yeah. lots um, in future podcasts. Also, just because Israel is such a key piece in the book of Revelation, there's such a key piece again, related to the return of Christ, uh, because Jesus will not come back until Israel receives him as their Messiah. And so we'll look at all of that in future events. But basically, this is this podcast is just the introduction to say, get this on your radar. Get this into your prayer life with the Lord, even if it's as simple as saying, Lord, open up my mind to, to be able to understand what it is you're saying about Israel. Help me, give me knowledge that I don't have right now. Help me see this in the scripture. Give me your heart, your burden for Israel. Because uh, we see Romans 9, Paul prays this bold prayer where he says that he wished that he himself was a curse for the sake of Israel. And so obviously there's a burden that we can feel as believers related to God's people. Yeah. So that's just the basic premise. Um, again, we want to develop it more in yeah, future podcasts. It's just the beginning of a conversation. Yeah. But um, I would just say, be aware. Look for it when you're doing your Bible reading. Look for God's heart for Israel because his promises, he's so clear about um, his promises to Israel and I guess just in closing, I'll, I'll just pray. Father, we ask that you would give us your understanding. We ask for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you related to your heart for your people, Israel, related to why this subject is so important, why we should know it, and to help us prepare to take a stand with Israel in the days to come. And today, when we're already seeing... Um, uh, things get heated and anti-Semitism on the rise. Lord, we ask that you would give your church, you would give us boldness and wisdom 
needed to take a stand for your heart and for your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Bye-bye.